The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Basketball Society. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast on the number one division in the NBA. Brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. As always, joined by your host, myself, Alex Fishbein. So, there has been some goings on in the NBA. Obviously, we have crowned a an NBA champion since the last time we talked. Um, when I recorded that episode, we were... Uh, it was right before the game was actually played. So, um, you know, when I was talking, we didn't really know exactly what was going to happen. But in the end, we talked about how the Lakers were going to close out. Um, they did. They ended up closing out. They ended up getting the championship. Kind of what we all expected, um, especially, you know, when they were so much better than the team that they were facing. Um, somebody put up a graphic that was supposed to compare Michael Jordan and LeBron James, and it was supposed to say that Michael Jordan didn't face the same quality of people that LeBron did in their finals appearances. And while LeBron has more finals appearances... And he has faced some very, very good opponents. This year is not a year to make that comparison because the Miami Heat were by far the weakest team that LeBron has faced in the finals. I mean, you can make any kind of argument you want about the fact that Jimmy Butler was going crazy. Jimmy Butler had a very, very good final series. Um, you can make any argument you want about how, you know, Bam Adebayo, um, I wouldn't exactly call him underrated anymore, but you can make the argument that, you know, he's better than people, than some people tend to think he is. But when it's all said and done and you look at the list of teams that LeBron has faced in the finals, this Miami team is definitely by far down at the bottom. I mean, way down at the bottom compared to those other teams. Yes, even that Mavericks team. I would probably take that Mavericks team. I mean, that Mavericks team beat LeBron, but that Mavericks team I would still take over this Miami Heat team. No disrespect to what they did, to the accomplishments they had this postseason, the fact that they came in underdogs in pretty much every series and still ended up getting to the finals and even taking, uh, not getting swept, taking a couple games. So, I mean, those were big feats in and of themselves. Uh, like I said, Jimmy Butler went crazy. The The rest of the team um, did a great job. Tyler Hero, I mean, in a, an outstanding rookie season. And Duncan Robinson showing himself to be, um, you know, one of the premier shooters now. Um, so he's going to get himself a very nice contract when it's time to uh, extend him. And on top of that, they uh, can go into next season 
trying to figure out which person or which group of players they need to actually get themselves over the hump. Um, but speaking of next year, so the Lakers have more than half of their team uh, becoming unrestricted free agents. So there's going to have to be a lot of movement in the Lakers roster right now. And even with that being said, according to Bavada Sportsbook, they are the favorite to win the NBA championship next year as of right now. They are plus 350 um, as the favorites to win the championship. They... I think it's interesting because, yes, okay, so Anthony Davis opted out of his player um, option, but he still plans to re-sign with the Lakers. But the rest of the guys who opted out or their contract is up, um, we haven't heard any rumors or anything that they plan to stay there in L.A. or if they plan to see what kind of money they can get somewhere else. Guys like Rondo, um, Dwight, uh, JaVale McGee, Avery Bradley, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Dion Waiters. Like, these are guys that uh, were, were contributing a lot throughout the regular season and throughout the restart as well. Um, and a handful of them really contributed a lot during the postseason. So I'm curious to see who does come back to the Lakers, who doesn't because... I think that when you look at their center situation with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, you probably could get at least one of those guys for not too much money um, because while, yes, they contributed well for this Lakers team, their capacity to contribute is not, you know, 30-plus minutes a game starters. They are definitely the 20 to 25-minute-a-game guys, the role players, the ones that will help you out coming off the bench um, or could start in spurts when it, wherever you may need it. So <clears throat> I'm kind of curious to see, will the Lakers try to keep uh, like the bulk of this roster together or will they try and test out some maybe younger, cheaper guys or even some maybe veteran guys that are hitting free agency that can do sort of what the other guys that they're losing can do? Um, I kind of hope that they keep JR and Dion Waiters just for the memes and the jokes and everything like that. Uh, I think, I mean, all of that's hilarious. And don't get me wrong, they're two good offensive players, too, that can still help you win games. Um Maybe not, you know, every game coming down to the finals, but two guys that can definitely still at least help you get there and help contribute to a winning team. Um, but that being said, I mean, there's still, uh, with all the exceptions and everything that they have, um, like the trade exceptions and, and things like that, they could potentially add another star player uh, as well. So I think that is something to look look to if they do end up adding like say they add like a star point guard or or a star even a star shooting guard um they could be even more deadly than they were this season and that's saying a lot when that that when they were the nba champions <laughs> so um there's a lot to kind of unpack there and um congrats again to the lakers 
personally, I did not want the Lakers to win because it's kind of the Lakers and Celtics thing. Like, okay, you guys have won. You both won, what, 17, 16 championships, whatever it is. Um, I kind of would rather see someone else win it. And I especially wanted to see the Heat win it just as the underdogs. And, um, you know, no one expected the Heat to even be in the finals, let alone win a game or two. So I was just pulling a little for the Heat there. Um, But so we have some other news happening. Uh, There has been some hirings and some step downs. So Tyrone Liu has uh, came out. Woj said that Tyrone Liu will be taking the Clippers job and one of his assistants is going to be Chauncey Billups. Now, I have always been intrigued by the um, the the potential of Billups being a coach, because this is a guy who like. A lot of times we see point guards become coaches because it's kind of like the old adage about quarterbacks making the best coach in the NFL. Like those are the guys that are leading the team. They're leading the offense. Um, you know, they're the floor generals on the court. They're, they're usually like the coach away from the coach. So um, Chauncey comes from that uh, sort of lineage he was a huge, huge, huge reason for the success of the Detroit Pistons um, when they won their championship with Rip Hamilton, uh, Tayshaun Prince, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace. He was a huge part of that. Um, and I think he definitely has a lot to teach, a lot to give, the game and everything. So I'm curious to see how... Uh, like that coaching staff works out. I'm also curious to see what Lou does that Doc didn't. Um, one of those things I, I think will probably come down to keeping everyone accountable because something that has been coming out more and more is the fact that once Kawhi got there, the other players on the team were not very happy with how he got treated compared to how they were treated. Now, I'm... I have kind of mixed feelings about that whole thing because if say you're, you know, Pat Beverly or uh, Zubak or, you know, one of those guys, um, of course you're not going to get treated the same as a two-time champion, two-time finals MVP, one of the probably what he's definitely top five, probably top three player in the league. Um, of course, you're not going to get treated the exact same as him. However, they're talking about how they would allow him to choose which games he wanted to play and not play to, to rest. Uh, he would choose when he could be taken out of the game. He lived in San Diego and was late to team flights and everything like that. I just think that is in poor taste um, because the I just feel like the elite of the elite you don't see doing that kind of thing. Like you don't see the the LeBrons or the Jordans or the Kobe's. You don't see them first off, you don't see them late to things. Second off, you don't see them like requesting specific games to to sit or rest. You don't like you just don't see a lot of those guys doing that. Like you didn't even see Allen Iverson showing up just like 
late to all these things, blowing things off for no reason at all, asking to sit out games and stuff like that. You just that's not something you see from your best player and also the player who should be one of the best in the entire league. Um, like, I mean, just as a for instance, you have um According to Bavada for the 20, 2021 NBA MVP, uh, Kawhi Leonard is in the top, I think that's the top 10 uh, at plus 2,000. So, I mean, you ha- you even have odds makers showing that he's one of the best players in the league. They're already thinking he's going to be one of the, you know, higher ups there for, for league MVP. So, I think that, you know, yes, you will get treated specially. You will get treated better when you are that top dog, when you are that guy who, I mean, pretty much drives the revenue to the team. Because, I mean, you take Kawhi off the Clippers, they wouldn't have even been close to what they're at right now. So, um, yes, you will get your special treatment for that. But I feel like you should also show respect to the people who were there already and the people who are going to help you win this championship. Because, like, when you were in Toronto, there's, you know, you weren't about to disrespect those guys. In Toronto, they had a crazy amount of work ethic. They all were very a very tight-knit group. Um, Nick Nurse was even a new coach at that time, too. Um, and, but the whole... The whole environment in Toronto, you weren't about to disrespect those guys. Yes, they're still going to give you special treatment. They're going to give you what you want because they want you on your team and you can help them win as you did. But, you know, you still have to show respect to the rest of the team. Especially, you can't just do that kind of stuff and then come into the playoffs, go up 3-1, come into the seventh game when you have all this rest from the whole season before. I mean... He was resting throughout the whole regular season. Then you hit a rest because of COVID, and you get to this, and then game seven, you just disappear. Like, that whole thing is obviously going to cause a little bit of anger in the locker room. Um, Because if you're already showing up to stuff late, as they are saying, allegedly, um, and, you know, you're requesting games to just sit out when you don't have an injury, then people are going to expect you to be able to be at your, you know, very, very best when it comes to that playoff time, when it comes to the game seven of like, really, that's what you're paid for, too. And you don't deliver. I mean, at that point, yes, I understand it might be Beverly, it might be someone who's not on his his caliber, but they have the right to call that out. I mean, even if they aren't giving, you know, what you should be, they still have the right to call that out because everyone sees it. Everyone knows it. Everyone understands that that like that's what you're here for. That's what they brought you in for. And if you're going to do all these other extracurricular things wrong, then you better deliver on the other end. Just saying. Um, but moving on to uh, one person who stepped down, Daryl Morey, the GM of the Houston Rockets, um, real big into I think the the term everyone's been coining is microball, um, which is just 
going small 24-7, getting rid of your big man and and really, I mean, P.J. Tucker was playing like center and power forward along with Robert Covington. Um, and don't get me wrong. Uh, I mean, a lot of his teams were super exciting. They were fun to watch. You know, Harden really flourished um, as soon as he, he, he went to Houston. The Houston Rockets, actually, I saw a stat. I think it's when since Daryl Morey took over in Houston, they have the second best record in the entire league since then. Second only to the Spurs. So, I mean, that in and of itself was great. Daryl Morey, I mean, yes, he went for a different style of ball. He went for the different, you know, a, a lot of analytics-based stuff and, and went for a different style. But he he delivered for the most part. I mean, yes, he didn't get a championship, but he got as close to it as you can get with the team and the the strategy that they had um i never believed that the that the small ball like that is going to lead you to a championship uh but you know he got them really as far as anyone could have ever imagined with that kind of lineup and with that kind of style so i think i think he did great um i think that there should be teams lining up at his door to get him i think the I think most of the Atlantic should be lined up to to knock on his door. I think the Nets, uh, the Knicks, the Sixers, um, I think the Raptors and the Celtics are are fine. I think they're cool. Um, but teams like, I mean, like I said, there should be a long line. There should be like Chicago should definitely, definitely be looking into hiring him uh charlotte i would even say like uh atlanta i mean any bottom team you can think of in the east should be at his door like the moment he gets home i like don't even let him take any other calls don't even let him see anyone else you should be at his door waiting for him to offer him your job because there obviously isn't anything working out there. <laughs> so um, I think he'll land somewhere uh, pretty quickly, um, especially with the offseason here. You uh, People looking for GMs want to hire them as soon as possible so that they can come in and start working right away and, you know, get to the draft boards and get to, you know, free agency and the trade market and everything like that. So, um, I think he'll he'll land on his feet somewhere pretty quickly. Honestly, I feel like it unless he comes out and says like he's taking a year off or something like that, I think he'll probably get a job in like a week tops. Something like that. So moving on from that. I wanted to uh, real quick, we talked a little bit about free agency. I want to real quick talk about the draft a little bit because well i think right now i think we're still waiting to hear the specific date of the draft i'm not sure uh right now if that has been decided or not uh but um according to bavada the favorite to go number one overall is anthony edwards at minus 200 
I don't know. I really like Anthony Edwards. I've watched a handful of his games at Georgia, and I think that, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. If he doesn't go number one, he's probably going two or three. Like, there's no way he falls out of top three. Like, no chance at all unless something, like, insanely drastic happened. But if we, I mean, let's look at the draft order for the NBA for uh, the 2020 draft. Um, so if we bring up the draft order here, the Minnesota Timberwolves at number one. So a lot of people have Anthony Edwards grabbing, or, or the Timberwolves grabbing Anthony Edwards. Is Anthony Edwards the one that fits the most with uh, with Ball? Or, sorry, <laughs> I was giving them both of the top two picks. Is Anthony Edwards the one who fits most with D'Angelo Russell? I'm not exactly sure. Um, I mean, he is a good uh, scorer, whether, you know, the ball's in his hands or not. Um, like for the majority of the time but I just feel like see for me I feel like Minnesota has the the potential to make a big time move because we've heard that you know the the three guys that are friends Booker Russell D'Angelo Russell and um Carl Anthony Towns would all like to play together. Now, Minnesota has two of them. You're not going to trade both of them to Phoenix. So for me, if I'm trying to get Booker, now I don't know if Phoenix would do this, um, especially after they went 8-0 in the bubble. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but it's something that was at least a little encouraging going into next season. I would look at the possibility of getting ball first and trading him as well as like maybe you know other picks or other people whoever it may be for Devin Booker because if we're being honest Phoenix has been looking for a point guard for a while no disrespect to Ricky Rubio and and the other guys on the team but they've been looking for their superstar point guard um, to lead the team for a long time. Now, they have Aiton, which can be their star big man. They have a great group of guys that could be the supporting cast, like Mikal Bridges, like Cam Johnson, um, like Ricky Rubio. Uh, like Those guys surrounding Booker and Aiton right now are a good group of guys that you can still, I mean, you can still work on and get them better, but they're a good group of guys. You bring in Ball, he's going to be closer to the age of, you know, Bridges and Aiton and all those guys, because Booker's been on the team for a few years now. And if you get a few more picks, you're already in the mix because I think Ball is going to be able to compete right away. We've seen him in uh, professional leagues already, and he's held his own. He's done well. Um, 
I think he's probably going to be, uh, if not the best, the second best person in this draft. And on top of that, Aiton's getting better. And like I said, some of their wings that they have have the potential to be very, very, very like high level, um, like system role guys. So uh, if I'm the Timberwolves, I explore that because I mean, having the chance to have Booker, D'Lo, and Carl Anthony Towns, that's a good team. That's probably the best team you've had in a long time. Probably the best team you've had since Kevin Garnett was on the team. So if I'm Minnesota, I'm exploring that before I even think about, you know, Ball versus Anthony Edwards. Because if you can talk with Phoenix and they'll tell you, like, which one they want, well, yeah, you make that happen. Um, But either way... (sighs) I just don't know if Anthony Edwards is the best choice for Minnesota uh, at the number one pick. I don't know. But anyway, um, number two is the Golden State Warriors, and that is James Wiseman. Now, according to Bovada, James Wiseman is at plus 450 to be the first overall pick. And they have an over-under for him to be pick number two and a half. The over is at minus 270. The under is at plus 180. I don't think the under is that bad of a bet, if I'm reading that correctly. Yeah, I don't think the under is that bad of a bet. Um, Because I could definitely see him going to Golden State. Uh, because that's what they need. They need a big man. They already got Steph Curry coming back. They got Clay coming back. Draymond will be there. They've found some of their diamonds in the rough with some of the young guys that have been playing. So the main thing they need is a center. And Wiseman, everyone thinks Wiseman is going to be a top-notch elite-level center. So... I mean, with them, I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't even trade that pick. A lot of people are thinking Golden State's going to trade that pick to, to get someone even better. But if I was them, I would keep that pick. Take James Wiseman. You got him for however long you need him because you're already paying a lot of money to keep Clay, Steph, and Dre. This is going to be, I mean, well, should be a top level guy for a very cheap price. I think you go Wiseman, and I don't think you look back. Like, sure, you could go Ball or Edwards, whichever one's not taken first. But at that point, you're—I don't think you're gonna start them with Clay and Steph. And I think it's just a waste to have one of those guys on your bench. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I know Steph and Clay and Dre—they're getting older, but they're not that old still. And you need a center. It's it. I mean, it just goes together. Um, and let's see. Third, Charlotte Hornets. Oh, excuse me. So, uh, third is where it gets a little iffy to me because it depends who goes first. First of all. 
you know, it depends if they go Ball or Edwards. The Warriors, I think, are going to go Wiseman either way. And so then when it comes to third, you have, let's just, for this argument's sake, there's a lot of people saying Anthony Edwards going first. Um, so let's just say Edwards goes first, then uh, Wiseman. So then at third, Charlotte has Ball or Obi Toppin. This is tough to me because Charlotte needs both. Yes, they have Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier is not an elite point guard. He's not a guy that is going to lead you to a championship as your starting point guard. Terry Rozier, when he was on the Celtics, that was the perfect role for Rozier. To come in, you know, like behind like a Kyrie or something, come off the bench as a sixth man and fire away. Their wings in Charlotte. A lot of people thought they were going to be better than what they are right now. Miles Bridges, decent. Malik Monk, not bad. <laughs> I mean, that's really all you can say at that point. So they could really use both, obviously. So to me, it's a matter of what you need more. Now, obviously, Graham uh, should have been most improved player of the year, first off. You got Graham. You have Terry Rozier, so you have a couple guards. But again, as of right now, especially for Graham, not crazy level guards that are going to be, you know, finals MVPs or or lead you to a championship on their own or anything of those sorts. Ball could be that. Toppin could be an elite level power forward, small forward, whatever you want to slot him as. To me, I think at this point, even though I said Ball is probably going to be the first or second best player out of this draft, I feel as though Charlotte would take Toppin. I personally would take Ball. But it's it I mean Charlotte's just in a very a very tough spot. Uh because I mean they have a lot of needs. It's just what it is. Um so then Chicago is fourth. And I've seen a lot of people putting Killian Hayes in Chicago. If Ball is there, Chicago better take Ball. You're going to want something that is as close to a sure thing as possible. And you've seen Ball go from high school to pro and everything like that and has delivered. 
Now, not don't get me wrong, Killian Hayes is a very good prospect, a very good kid, international guy, that I think will also be a good player. However, with the way with where Chicago's at, I think you got to take ball at that at that point. I mean, according to Bavada, Lamelo Ball's over under of his draft selection is two and a half as well. The over two and a half is plus one eighty. So everyone's really expecting him to go top two, and Obi Toppin is at over under four point five. So, at that point, man, if I'm Chicago, I got to go with Ball. I mean, sure, there's always the possibility that you get that wrong. I mean, that's the possibility with every draft, with every pick. But there's just a lot more aspects to the game that I think Ball is going to help, first off, right away, but also he's going to... He's going to bring a little bit more excitement with the name in general. He's going to bring um, some attention to the team. And, I mean, all attention is good attention, especially when you have been as low down as the Bulls have been. Um, and even with, like, their coaching issues and, you know, everyone wanting to fire guard packs and everything. Uh, I just think Ball would be the guy to go for if you're Chicago. Now, obviously, the Knicks really want one of those guys to fall, Ball or Killian Hayes or one of them. I mean, they the only uh, I feel like the Knicks have been the only team that has been so point guard deprived for so long that it's ridiculous. Like, I still remember even with Melo that some of those times the starting point guard was like Raymond Felton. And that was not a good time. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, for the Knicks fans out there, I hope you guys get a point guard. I hope you get the one that you want. It's probably going to be tough because I know you're down at like seven or eight. But, hey, miracles happen every day, right? But that's it for me. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast for the number one division in the NBA. Brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.